When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky in line at the deli, I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. Football is many things. Unpredictable, exciting, colourful, passionate, absorbing, expensive. Venal, infuriating, exasperating, time-consuming, depressing. But one thing it most certainly is not is a level playing field. Welcome to the famous sloping pitch. In a bad week for Sesame Street, who unveiled their first Asian Muppet, thereby being inclusive and guilty of a racial slur all in one go. In an attempt at damage limitation and to avoid guilt by association, Sesame Street have now insisted that Bert, Ernie and Big Bird withdraw from England's squad for the Ashes in Australia. It was also a week in which Norwich City fans were relieved to discover that the D. Smith, who was taking over as boss, was the former Villa manager Dean and not their celebrity owner gone a bit power mad. Although Delia has certainly demonstrated her motivational skills in the past, hasn't she? Let's be having you. Let's be having you. And her tactical skills seem to consist mostly of saying, get it in the mixer. (laughs) So, you know, bit route one. I remember taking my son to, to Norwich and we were invited into the boardroom and somebody came up to him and said, do you want the great lady's autograph? And he said, I don't know who she is. (laughs) which is always pleasing. (laughs) David Beckham is mystified by criticism of his £150 million Qatari ambassadorship. Why are people so down on Qataris, he said. I had one for Christmas in 1980. I was really good at the ping-pong game. (laughs) Now, to be fair, I've been ill this week, and that's my excuse for that, but I really wanted to put that in just so I could... Find a segue into Christmas because I had a great story this week about about Rod Stewart being invited to Elton John's house for Christmas lunch, and uh, they're very big friends apparently. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Rod's obviously thinking, "Oh, I don't know what to take. What do you take for Elton John as a Christmas present?" And so he went into some shop and he found a, a, a jewel encrusted, you know, box that he could keep his knickknacks in. And, yes, yes. and no, I don't mean knickknacks as in Graham Taylor's knickknacks. I mean no, knickknacks no, no, as in. No. Yeah. And he said, well, there you go, El- Elton. And Elton <laughs> opens it up and he goes, oh, that's nice. Now, Rod, it's Rembrandt you like, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Which is fantastic. <laughs> 
<laughs> and it was also a week in which Andorra had a player sent off after 20 seconds. That's good going, isn't it? Very good. Gone in 20 seconds. Nicolas Cage would only have had time to nick your hubcaps <laughs> and maybe the pound you keep in the car for the supermarket trolley. Didn't... Um, was it a Stoke Post? Was it John Ritchie who got sent off without the game even restarting? Yes, yes. <laughs> Kaiserslautern away, there was a number of um, awful challenges, not least from Terry Connery, I believe. And Terry was kind of being stretched off and John Ritchie came on, walked onto the pitch, lamped the bloke who'd done it <laughs> and was already off the pitch before, walking before he could sent be himself sent off. off. Yes. Volunteered. Yeah, yeah. He just, <laughs> he just popped in to say hello. <laughs> <laughs> OK, so first, let us tear our eyes away, if we can, from the viscerally thrilling shark tank of the Premier League Adventure Aquarium and concentrate for a moment on the muddy jam jar with a poorly clownfish in it that is the very bottom of the EFL. Four teams seem to be getting cut adrift at the bottom of Division 4, currently trading as EFL 2. That's Scunthorpe, Carlisle, Stevenage and my team, Oldham Athletic. Scunthorpe have already sacked their manager and brought in Keith Hill, who did very well at uh, Rochdale. Carlisle dumped Chris Beach for Keith Millen. This week, Stevenage sacked Alex Revel and are currently searching for an unemployed Keith to take over the reins there. <laughs> Meanwhile, we continue to curl out lengths of steaming disappointment with our Keith. Keith, curl. <laughs> we lost again at Exeter, and it's a sign of how battered I am by the club's current state that I was actually not too disappointed because we only lost 2-1. That's starting to feel like a result. Yeah, were you 1-0 up for quite a long time? Oh, no. no oh, no, good, good. No, I, no, I, no, I thought no. I hadn't got it wrong. No, no, no. no. But you never uh, know. Exeter may have played too many substitutes because they did that in midweek <laughs> and they? they've got a replay against Bradford. Have they? And they'd scored five, didn't they? Yeah, they were. In the first they, half they, and they, then got, tra- got mm-hmm. uh, pulled back to 5-3. Now, our goal was a good one by Spurs' loanee Jamie Bowden and it came with seven minutes to go, actually. Right. Reducing the deficit, as they say. The other thing they say, of course, in those circumstances is this. Hey, we could be in for a grandstand finish. <laughs> in modern football, however, a grandstand finish means the opposition goalkeeper taking 40 seconds to take a goal kick. Yeah. It means players going down, requiring the ball to be booted into touch, only to find that they're not seriously injured, they've just got a bit of cram. No, it's a real thing, Chris. It's called game management, my Yeah, friend. I know it is. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And then the ball gets thrown in and dutifully kicked back to their goalkeeper, who then takes another 40 seconds to boot it up the park towards the next cramp sufferer. Mm-hmm. That, the sort of grandstand finish, in short that justifies you getting up and leaving the grandstand and never coming back. Anyway, having lost now 14 of our 24 games in all competitions, I must say I felt a deal of fellow feeling this week with the San Marino supporters group. Mm -hmm. It's apparently called, did you hear this, the Brigade That Never Has Joy. (laughs) (laughs) It is fabulous, isn't it? It's been going for nine years, apparently, and they're probably a bunch of goths and nihilists. But nonetheless, you know, I get it. Yeah. It's, it's not about having low expectations. It's about training yourself to have no expectations yeah. at all. And it's, it's also one of the very few European brigades that will never kidnap anybody. <laughs> so it's, it's no red brigade, is it's it? It's not a red brigade. By, no, they're, they're much more passive than it's a, Yeah, it's a blue brigade, really. <laughs> it's, it's sort of a magnolia brigade. Yes. Yeah, anyway, I wonder whether these guys have actually sorted out how to do football. You know, they may have cracked the code, found a way to mine joy from joylessness. Yeah. What if, though? You know, what if they won a game one day? How would they feel then? Would Have that... they actually literally never won a game? Never right? won a game, no. no. Wow, that's fantastic, no. isn't it? It is. I bet would, it would ruin everything for them if they did. If they won one. A little bit, a little bit, yeah. Because in, think... in the Nations League, some of these teams, Liechtenstein and Andorra, they've started actually winning. Andorra beat San Marino, obviously, twice. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. That, uh, anyway. I think it would ruin it for San Marino because their nickname is The Beaten. <laughs> it would ruin it for the brigade anyway yeah. now the big news out of Oldham this week was the sighting of a crane not the bird, an actual mechanical crane 
and the excited buzz that someone was actually going to change the bloody light bulbs in the floodlights. These seemed to have been left to flicker and dwindle unattended for months, even years. We were down to five working bulbs in one corner, and watching the footage of one recent Tuesday game for which the opposition were inexplicably allowed to play in green and just merged into the pitch in the darkness, you literally couldn't see what the hell was going on on the far side. It was just embarrassing. So what's brought about this sudden sprucing up? Well... We had an FA Cup replay on Tuesday and the goals, if goals there were to be, would be on the BBC website so everyone would be able to see what a disgraceful bloody shambles we are. Which, and naturally, you know, we did let in some goals. Our goalkeeper dropped a routine cross at the feet of the Ipswich striker, pausing only to tie a pink ribbon around it and sellotape a card to it reading, please help yourself. And that pretty much let the steam out of Oldham's resistance. Nonetheless, played pretty well. Only lost 2-1. Grandstand finish, result. Yeah. By the way, on the subject of um, faulty floodlights, did you see that Marine had a uh, FA Cup replay in the week and they had a floodlight failure? But happily, whoever they were playing against, I can't remember who it is for the life of me, um, had a player who was an electrician who went (laughs) round. (laughs) It's such an FA Cup story, isn't it? and fixed the floodlights while on the phone to his mate who knew more about big electricity. Big electricity. Yeah, yeah. Well, it must be different electricity floodlights, mustn't it? It must be just... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine... Imagine it works on the same principle. I mean, I'm not an electrician. Let's be honest. <laughs> you, really, you really don't sound like one. <laughs> anyway. I also enjoyed the, just one very quickly, the, yeah, the yeah. story from the uh, T20 World Cup, um, which was Devon Conway. Did oh, you yeah. see that? Devon Conway, who managed to miss the final because in the semi-final, he was so upset with himself for getting out, he punched his bat and broke his hand, <laughs> which is which then brought about, obviously, in my mind, memories of some of the great, great injuries that have, have beset uh, footballers. The the best of all, which is Darius Vassell. Do you know the Darius Vassell one? OK, Darius Vassell was, was out for several weeks because he'd had um, a toe injury. Someone had stamped yeah. on his toe and it was broken. But also the problem was there was a lot of blood in it. Mm. And you know what they do with Oh, that. no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's coming back to yeah, me. It's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he's sat at home, clearly, because they don't like injured players around the dressing room. And he's thinking, I could do something about that, couldn't I? That bloody... <laughs> I could do something. And there's nobody there to gainsay him. No. So he no goes... No electrician, mate, which would be good. <laughs> so he goes out to the garage and he gets his Black and Decker drill. <laughs> <laughs> just a hole through his foot, which of course isn't funny for him, but it's fantastic it for is, everybody because you could just see him sitting there thinking, "Right, here we go, here we go." Oh, that didn't work. <laughs> oh, I'm a fool. <laughs> so I looked. Up, I looked up one or two of these, and there, there are a lot of them. Dave, uh, Dave Besant. Dave Besant salad cream. Salad injury. cream injury. Salad cream based and, injury. And, and one I hadn't heard of during uh, United's relegation year, 1975, when you went to the, the game when Man City mm. Uh, mm. scored the back heel goal. Oh, seventy four. Yeah. Oh, seventy four. Seventy four. Yeah. Oh, right. It was the season after. Uh, Alex Stepney had an injury against Birmingham, mm. in which he'd had a clash, and was so cross with his defence and was shouting that so much he dislocated his jaw (laughs) (laughs) it's so pleasing Ah, football anyway before we go any further i just want to um i think we should make a quick correction and apology for something we said on last week's whatever this is yes yes is it a show i I said that with all the talk about eddie howe i kept being reminded of reminded of ernie howe and we got into a thing about the flip up back heel free kick for willie carr which was of course as correctly been pointed out to us ernie hunt so thanks to kevin coker of where for that but i i I think i need to take responsibility even though it was you said it i I must take responsibility (laughs) for this (laughs) 
rubbish. That's yeah, the worst yeah. bit of taking responsibility. I haven't I've finished ever heard it. in my life. I haven't finished taking responsibility. You did yet. it. Yeah. As after saying Ernie Howe's name, I reflexively said Ernie Hannigan, Coventry City. And this is because we have an old college friend, Dave, you and I, yeah, yeah. Um, who is not much into football at all, but he used to try and join in football conversations by referencing old bubblegum cards that he had. And one of his things was how there always used to be players called Ernie, but that's dropped out of the game, I'm presuming because of Sesame Street. You know, not so many birds either, no big birds uh, since Joel Garner in sport generally. Yeah. But Dave's little mantra was <laughs> Ernie Hunt, Ernie Machin, Ernie Hannigan, Coventry City. And so mentioning Ernie Howe, trip to switch somewhere, made me tag on Ernie Hannigan, Coventry City, which inadvertently steered us up towards the Ernie Hunt mistake. Ernie Howe, as Kevin rightly points out, played for Fulham and QPR. Yeah. Our friend Dave, you remember, was nicknamed for a while the Cat, wasn't he? he was. Because yeah. he was so keen to be involved in a match that we were setting up that he, let's say, misled us yeah. about having played in goal at school. So we made him goalie for the first 15 minutes, by which time we were 3-0 down to a bunch of actors, with the third goal being a long, slow back pass from the centre circle that Dave somehow inexplicably sliced into his own net, despite there being no other players of either team in the same half as him. Yeah. And he could have picked it up in those days. Yeah, I mean, I, I seem to remember his errors. His errors wouldn't have made the cut in Kez. They were so bad. <laughs> so that bad. No, no one's going to believe that. Yeah, anyway, we replaced him, as I recall, after 15 minutes with a pantomime dragon. <laughs> anyway, anyway, that um, erratum cleared up gives us license to mention that in a piece this week about the sad passing of another squad member from the 1966 World Cup Ron Flowers mm-hmm. the Times described him as a goalkeeper which he wasn't of course yep. I presume they mixed him up with Ron Springett and or Tim Flowers who was a goalkeeper from 30 years later I think that's worse don't you uh, yes Ernie Howe Ernie Hunt thing so we shouldn't feel too bad it was interesting wasn't it though that uh, Ron Flowers was on standby to replace Jack Charlton for the final I didn't know that he had a cold, apparently, Charlton, the day before, and felt better in the morning. But Ron Flowers got a medal, of course, along with all the other squad members in 2009. Not from the Queen, but from Gordon Brown. But worse than the Ron Flowers thing is the complaints this morning from Chelsea keeper Edward Mendy about media outlets using his picture to illustrate stories about Manchester City player Benjamin Mendy, who's on trial for rape and sexual assault, a terrible thing. But not only that, papers have also been using pictures of Real Madrid's Furland Mendy, yeah. who is Edward's cousin, but no relation to Benjamin, Incredibly, this has been happening in France, where Benjamin Mendy is well known as a World Cup winner from 2018, and Ferland Mendy is also a French international, so they must know that there's two of them. It's just staggering. It really is unbelievable that that could happen. Yeah, and Edouard Mendy, who plays for Senegal, although he's related to Ferland Mendy, so he could have played for France, I think, uh, says even if you think the three of them look alike... You know, the shirts ought to be a clue. Yeah. You know, one of them's wearing a goalkeeper shirt. Yeah. Why, would you, why would you think that was the right... No, no, that's, that, that's despicable. Which international guff leads us nicely onto this week's World Cup adventures. Mm. So England qualified for Qatar, finishing their qualification campaign with a couple of games that gave the lie to the much-doubted theory that there are no easy games in international football. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Do you know, I, don't, I was looking at this because... I, Obviously, you can only play the teams in front of you, all the yeah, things, yeah. That, that, all the cliches. So I thought I'd, I'd have a little look, and, and this is not a judgment, this is an observation, yeah. at you know the, the top scorers for, for, for England, because obviously Kane is getting closer and closer. Oh, yeah, he, yeah. he drew level with Lineker, didn't he? So I had a little look at who they scored their goals against, and I decided to take out the goals they'd scored against any team that had never qualified for the World Cup finals. Oh, yeah. And so Kane has 15 against teams that have never qualified for the World Cup finals. Rooney has 11 that have never uh, qualified for the World Cup finals. Jimmy Greaves has three, uh, but they were all in one game against Luxembourg. Um, Bobby Charlton has two. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and Gary Lineker has two. So it's quite a difference, isn't it? It's quite it a is. difference. It is, yeah. And also they've played much, many, many, many more games. But anyway, it's not It's not a judgment. It's just, I think, quite an inter- it's interesting to yeah, me yeah. because I, mean, I, I think, live on my own. I think Kane's uh, record is, uh, you know, the same number of goals as Lineker, and roughly the same number of games, a handful, a handful. Yes. They're roughly comparable records, I think, which is which is pleasing, I think. I mean, I, couldn't, I, I was watching the Albania game and I couldn't help thinking all the way through, these lads really like Norman Wisdom, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For anybody who doesn't know, yeah. or has never met Tony Hawks, um, yeah. uh, Norman Wisdom is, is it's huge. It's huge. huge in, in Albania, <laughs> which sounds like a line from Spinal Tap, yeah, doesn't it? it yeah. <laughs> anyway, I watched the Albania game on delay, likely lad style, because I was out, and uh, I managed to get home without spoilers. Although once I watched it, I realised why the guy opposite me on the train who was on the phone suddenly went, Captain! <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, yeah, because, it was, because Kane must have scored, you know. Yeah, he could have been a fan of the damned. He could. And, you know, I, I yeah, Captain Sensible. Yes. <laughs> captain, I said what? I should have said what, shouldn't I? He should have done. <laughs> he said Captain, I should have said yeah, what? Yeah, no, oh, no, no, man. I wish I'd done that now. That, <laughs> let's go back and redo that bit. <laughs> no, Harry Kane's perfect hat-trick, right foot, left foot header, meant, as you say, he passed, uh, well, he passed Wayne Rooney's record, didn't he, of most goals in competitive internationals? Mm-hmm. Um, although <laughs> calling these <Yes>. competitive is... <laughs> is a laughingly competitive yeah. internationals. And Rooney yeah. was at Wembley, wasn't he? Do you, uh, you see him in the crowd for the Albania game? No. And, yeah, he was there looking miserable as sin, as well he might. But Kane was still quite a long way off his overall record, wasn't he? Although he's closer to it now. And when Jude Bellingham came on, the commentator, started Sam Matterface, I think it's called, uh, started speculating that if if he scored Jude Bellingham, he would become the second youngest England goalscorer after Wayne Rooney. Yeah. And he said, poor Wayne Rooney, his records are really tumbling, aren't they? And I thought... Wait a minute. <laughs> if he scored and became the second youngest scorer, Rooney's record remains intact, yes, doesn't it? Exactly. Enhanced, I, if anything. <laughs> well, we, we went through this, didn't we, with Emil uh, Smith Rowe? This yeah. idea that records are not about being the first; they're about being, they're the, about being the, within the first five. Yes. So you know, and you just think that Buzz Aldrin must be going. See, second see? is right after second first. Second is right after first. <laughs> Anyway, and then Derby got deducted another nine points, didn't they? And looked destined for League One. They so, did. So Rooney's probably even more miserable. D- yes, Derby were, were deducted more points than Harry Kane scored goals <laughs> over the weekend. <laughs> but only just. Only just. Harry Maguire, it was, nodded in the opening goal and yeah. then embarked on a knee-slide celebration, didn't he? Cupping his ears as oh, if to yes. taunt his critics to have a go and then sticking his fingers in his ears as if to say he wasn't listening and then cupping his ears again. Yes. It was all a bit confusing. Well, and did you see what Roy Keane said? Well, yeah, because it didn't have the effect of silencing his critics. Did he? His critics were savaging him for the goal <laughs> celebration itself yeah. by half time. I don't know what he's carping on about. Yeah, Roy Keane <laughs> was particularly unimpressed, as you say. I, mean, I guess, in a way, he had a point because no one's been criticising Maguire for not scoring from free headers. It's all the other stuff he's been really bad at. Yeah. It's yeah. like Boris Johnson expecting to silence his critics by winning a game of whiff waff. You know, who cares? Look at all the other stuff you've shat up. Yeah, absolutely. And, and just, just, just on, on a, with the Stoke City hat on, which clearly I have on all the time. Yeah. Um, you know, Harry Souter, who a rather wonderful centre-back that we have um, did his um, ALC or anterior crucial lig- yes, ligament yes. ACL um, playing for Australia and you just start to worry I remember it in the mid-70s I'm fairly sure that Derby tried to sue mm. the FA when Roy McFarlane got injured for playing playing for England and you wonder why the, there isn't some sort of way uh, you know basically if you hire a car and you smash it up 
You've got some insurance, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, well, yeah, and you just, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know I I'm being is, selfish. I think this is what they do. I think they do insure the players for injury. It's just that that, that it's it's a sort of scant consolation if you're losing a key player. Well, it's scant know. consolation for him, certainly. And for the club as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I mean, I've seen, I, I think I've seen attempts to, to sue before, but I don't think there's I don't think they have a, <laughs> I don't think they have a leg to stand on. And Jack Butland's career was effectively yeah. ended, although still playing for Crystal Palace occasionally, yeah. um, by playing for England. Yeah. yeah. Interestingly, uh, talking about Roy Keane um, slugging off Harry Maguire for his celebration, he said of Kane's hat trick in the same ad break, in the same sort of half time sort of section, rather. Yeah. That's what football's all about, shutting up the critics. <laughs> Before yeah. saying that said, Harry Maguire was a disgrace for shutting up his critics. Yeah, you say the half-time sort of dissection, it's, it's filibustering, isn't it, mostly? Well, it, it's, it's, very, just it's very brief, isn't it? Yeah, it's so brief. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, Keane probably needs to think things through, doesn't he? Or else he'll have some critics of his own to shut up. You know, It's hard to imagine him not at least trying to do that, as Alf Inger Harland could no doubt tell you. Absolutely. Speaking of someone who didn't have a leg to stand on. Anyway, <laughs> the other goal scored by Jordan Henderson in the manner of a man who should have scored a lot more goals for England than he has, which is two now. And speaking about ITV's half-time thing, they've changed the background, did you notice, for the for these games? Last last few times it's been a video game-style crowd constantly bouncing up and down inexplicably. Mm. This time there seemed to be like a massive three-tier stadium behind them where all the advert boards say ITV Sport. Yeah. I and think this you're... was for both Wembley and the tiny stadium San in San Marino. Marino. Yeah. I think you're confusing me with somebody that takes a lot more interest than I actually well, do. Well, no, my, uh, when I'm listening to Roy Keane, my my mind is wandering. My eyes are wandering. You know, yes, and, so, and there were some other odd choices to 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 pick up. Mark Pugach looks like a tramp, doesn't he? Shirt undone, just less than halfway through growing an ill-advised beard. You know, I know I'm. Did often... he have a dog on a string? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, called Hercules. I'm. I know I'm often critical of uh, Carragher dressing like he's going to a wedding, but Pugach looks like he's heading to a homeless shelter. You know, mm-hmm. that's... And Lee Dixon was wearing a ridiculously jaunty hat. Looked like one of the Rubettes. Was he ridiculous in cocky hat? <laughs> yes, let's say he was. <laughs> and uh, the second half, you must have enjoyed, because it featured no goals and a couple of your favourite things. Lots of Mexican wave oh! and paper darts being thrown onto the pitch. Yeah. And some people, you know, they just don't deserve to have a nice time. That's what I mean. <laughs> just angry. Anyway, then on uh, Monday, England were away in San Marino, back 10. Um, Smith Rowe started, Conor Gallagher came on, both having been drafted in from the under-21s to replace uh, James Ward-Prowse and Jordan Henderson, who picked up a knock in the first game. You've got to wonder whether Callum Hudson-Odoi is feeling especially bright at the moment, having turned down the under-21s, being a bit Bertie Big Bollocks about it. Well, I think the thing about Callum Hudson-Odoi is, you know, he's, he's got big decisions to make. With, with the Qatar World Cup being basically, I think it's November to December the 18th, you know, mm. does he want to go? That's exactly the same dates as I'm a celebrity, get me out of here. <laughs> now, Callum, I know he's a fan of it, and Dancing on Ice. He, you've got to think he might say no, haven't he? He might say no, yeah. 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 Anyway, so Smith Rowe got a goal, and so did Mings and Abraham and Saka and OG and Maguire, who managed not to antagonise anybody with a cele- celebration. And uh, the rest of the European qualifying also came to an end. Scotland had an excellent result, didn't they? Beat a strong Denmark side. Look really good as well. They've won, what, six in a row now? I think. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're doing fantastically Such well. Such a great run. Also in the playoffs, Italy, who could mm-hmm. only draw nil-nil with Northern Ireland. Great result for them and their one-time Oldham coach, Ian Barraclough. Yeah. And Italy have only won two out of seven since the Euro. Why couldn't they have started their shit run earlier? Well, they did, because they didn't win. 
They won on penalties. Yeah, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, they drew. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They drew. That's true. And of course, Jorginho missed one, didn't he? Missed one in the penalty shootout, and he's missed two more crucial ones in this. Wasn't he supposed to be the best penalty taker the, ever? He was the perfect penalty taker ever, yeah. ever, ever. And he's none. missed like three of his last, uh, however many. But anyway. But the truth of the matter is, suddenly, Qatar is on. Qatar is going to happen. Mm. You know, the very name evokes nearly nothing at all does it Qatar about football <laughs> nothing <laughs> at all uh, the two things about Qatar one thing that really annoys me is I can't write it down because the moment I write a Q I put a U after it and and, and I can't stop doing that and, they, and then you're writing what Quatermass Quatermass yeah <laughs> and the other thing is of course the, this is when the real work starts isn't it mm. you know, we've got a World Cup finals coming up this is when the real work starts somebody's got to write a World Cup song um, Anton Deck I think are early fans they always are and from what I've heard they're ahead of the game already they've they've already worked out that Qatar um, rhymes with bar, far and car so you know and they've virtually done it yeah we've qualified for Qatar hurrah well, yeah, 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 yes. Blah, blah, blah. So, yes, it, it's, it, it seems so unreal, hasn't it, ever since it was awarded to Qatar. Yeah, you, kind, yeah. you kind of almost felt all the stories that were coming out about the, the migrant workers being, you know, thousands of them being killed, yeah, and yeah, yeah. being poorly treated, um, that it was going to be taken off them. You know, and, and now it's less. It's a year away now, isn't it? It's a yeah, year absolutely. Away. I mean, the population of Qatar is 2.67 million, apparently, mm-hmm. of which 2.1 million are migrant workers. No, really? Yes. Not. One million have arrived in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. and one of them is David Beckham. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, well, so, bad news for David Beckham, isn't it? That, uh, that Qatar have said they're going to um, remove all the migrant workers in August. Um, to get them out of the to, to you know to uh, sports wash the place right uh, it's a bit like what Russia did isn't it what Russia didn't Russia kick out all their homeless people well they did so uh, presumably, Siberia so, right, so, so are Qatar <laughs> going to fly them to the Polish border which I know, is, I, there's I, some I, weird shit happening know, at the I moment think, isn't I, there? Think, I, I worry that they're just going to push them into the sea um, right and say oh, you know, oh well, give, gonna, them, give that, them a lilo and say you know that's going to ruin I think the scuba diving which is on offer as one of the fun things to do <laughs> in Qatar. I've been looking at the fun things to do in Qatar and I've got to tell you is if, it, watching football is going to be fun hopefully I mean I've got to tell you if Scotland do qualify th- there's going to be a lot of confusion over the kilt because <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of sort of, uh, of rules about what you can wear and what you can't pair wear oh, and it really? sounds a little bit like the rules of a student house because uh, one of the rules is there are to be no public displays of affection <laughs> which I seem to remember being a rule when you were about 15 to tell you the honest <laughs> truth uh, isn't it it's the it's swimming pool rules isn't it it's no, oh, it's no, no heavy petting. petting yeah but the other thing is if there's to be no public displays of affection what happens when a goal is scored yeah well you know keep the, it to yourself mate well, they're gonna, well, just they're, cut your ears all on your own <laughs> yeah they're going to have to get they're going to have to go back and go okay we're going to look at this through VAR that's the video assistant religious police oh. <laughs> <laughs> see the thing that worries me about the Qatar. You saw the T20 that just finished in the UAE. Yeah. It's going to be still so hot yeah. this time of year. It's going to be, and players are going to be coming from this, the weather we have now. So they're going to have to acclimatise really quickly. They've only got eight days between the end of the Premier League, the break in the Premier League, and, and the thing kicking off. And they promised there would be mechanical clouds to block out the sun. They promised that in, yeah. their, in, their, it was in their bid document. <laughs> mechanical clouds. Mechanical clouds. <laughs> 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 I don't know. It's like a Heath Robinson type yeah, yeah, yeah. thing. 
<laughs> crashing them up there, yeah, like pulling exactly. a flag up a pole, exactly ratcheting them up into the yeah, I, I, yeah. See, that's what you're imagining. I, you know, I think it was left to the individual reader to imagine from their bid document what this would be. Yeah. I imagine like a zeppelin thing, oh, okay, with a, with like a cloud shape in hardboard stuff. Oh, okay, so uh, very much uh, like a, th- a theatre backdrop type yeah, cloud yeah, yeah. thing, a Deus Ex Machina <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yeah, but exactly. the, yeah, but the other thing about about the um, about the air conditioning is. Who's in charge? Because, you know, the Danes are going to want a different temperature to, say, the Ghanaians or whoever it may be. Yeah, yeah. You know, this is always an argument. When I've been on holiday abroad, who's in control of the air conditioning? It can cause a lot of problems. No, it was bloody hot in Japan. Do you remember when we were in Japan? Japan. It was really hot then. I remember going to that Nigeria game, which I think was as hot as the nil-nil draw. Mm. I think it was as hot as I've ever been in a football stadium. And uh, the players had come off, you know, all... uh, One guy went down injured and the the other 21 came for a drink and it was six minutes into the game yeah 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 and there was a bloke a little bit further on from me who was dressed in a sort of like Lenny the Lion costume like mm-hmm. a big lion head yeah and oh, oh World Cup Willy that sort of thing yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and it and it, he in the first half he'd fainted inside it he was inside yeah, well, it that, but he's obviously clearly a very stupid person well, yeah and also it may have been hot just in the ground but in those grounds in Japan they had smoking areas which were little little perspex boxes that you stood inside <laughs> yeah. with other smokers. Trust me, it was hotter in there. Yeah. Well, oh. I, well you know, I wouldn't know. No, no, no. Yeah. The other thing I really enjoyed this week was because of all, all the things about Wales and, you know, this will happen or they'll be seeded or they won't be seeded. It depends what happens with Ukraine and it depends what happens with, with Norway and blah, 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 blah. Was that the Argentinians finished their game and hadn't realised they'd qualified. Oh, really? Which is fantastic. I love the idea that they just didn't turn up at the World Cup. And there's some person <laughs> in the airport, somebody from the Qatari organising committee going, Hello, pipe down. Are there any lads here from Argentina? <laughs> <laughs> Any lo- Argentinian boys? <laughs> There's been a, lo- a lot of sort of noise, hasn't there, this week from uh, Am- Amnesty wanting to use Bloody the tournament to uh, highlight human rights issues. And it's like they don't get how sports washing works at all. <laughs> I mean, the whole point of the tournament is to cover up the human rights thing, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, and the calls for David Beckham to use his ambassadorial role to highlight human rights issues. And I don't think they get how an ambassadorial role works either. You know, they, this is; these are the very last people who are going to be highlighting yes, yes, rights. Yes, yes. Ah, well. Anyway, um, and just to say, I just want to finish off by reading a description of the official emblem for the World Cup because I'm sure most of you would have spotted this from even looking at it. But the sweeping curves of the emblem represent the undulations of desert dunes, oh, yes. and the unbroken loop depicts both the number eight, a reminder of the eight astonishing stadiums that will host matches, mm-hmm. and the infinity symbol, reflecting the interconnected nature of the event. Mm-hmm. Besides. Echoing the shape of the FIFA World Cup <laughs> trophy, the emblem's central form, and this is my favourite bit, takes inspiration from a traditional woollen shawl. From oh. a traditional woollen shawl. Well, how sweet. Uh, during winter months, and this is news for us all, shawls are worn around the world. <laughs> <laughs> and in the Arab and Gulf region in particular, the regionally inspired winter garment also alludes to the tournament's start dates and the fact that it will be the first FIFA World Cup to be played in November and December. The new typeface created to accompany the emblem reimagines <laughs> the traditional Arabic calligraphy in a new contemporary font taking inspiration from the region and Asia and fusing tradition with modernity. And it also looks like every other World Cup symbol you've (laughs) ever seen. So there we go. Right, we're going to have a break and then we have a guest. Marvellous.
And now I imagine that many people think that this podcast is thrown together at the last second with guests being selected purely on availability. Well, on, on the whole, that is true. But sometimes, though, when we're panning through the dregs of comedy past, someone will be suggested, someone who's never played cricket with Chris or me, someone, Gadzooks, that might actually have something significant to contribute. A friend of mine pointed me in the direction of a book called More Than a Game, Saving Football from Itself, and I thought, this is right up our street. Its author, Mark Gregory, quite coincidentally a Stoke fan, come on, Stoke, joins us now. Mark, you're very, very, very welcome. Great, well, thanks. <laughs> now, what, uh, just uh, to, to start off from, uh, from the book itself, what struck me was the, the fast pace of change. I mean, the book obviously is, yep. a, is about the things that have happened financially, predominantly, uh, but also around the game, basically since the beginning of, of the Premier League. Is that yeah, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So, so the, the, what, what I found fascinating was to see it all together was how haphazard and reactive so much of the stuff happened. You know, it, 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 it just seems people were tripping over themselves to, to make innovations, but there was no uh, homogenous yeah. thought. Well, it's all... It's all um, you say football is a, is a big business, but it's not like a normal business, yeah. is it? Because it's made up of lots of competing entities whose whose interests and are, are, are obviously competing, but are, who are prepared to take unreasonable risks to get on to to get forward and you suggest uh, quite early on in your book that football's not sustainable the way it's going why do you think that i mean that's definitely the case you know and i, I think it's uh, as we say it has changed dramatically but there's been no plan at any point no and no one has ever had a vision for where we're trying to get to it just stumbles along then a new owner comes along something changes. you know look at the newcastle case yeah for sure perfect example then everyone says oh we don't want to have sponsors linked to clubs it's like oh really you know where yeah. did that come from well because they're going to have richer sponsors and how do you fair. retro engineer something like that yeah i mean that, that guy uh, gary hoffman has uh, had to resign yeah. since yes. who I, I have to say i had no idea who he was or what he did yeah. and it seems like he's he's been put in in position to carry the can for the next thing like this that comes along and you know the, the 19 other clubs have been complaining yeah. about the newcastle i mean there's thing. no one in charge ultimately in football you know the yeah. fa should be but they say they've delegated power which basically means they haven't been able to get control and they've sort of yeah, decided yeah. it's a bit too Delegated hard power to who? To the leagues. Well, to one and uh, yeah. there's so many competing entities. So the Premier League, the Football League, run themselves yeah. ef- effectively, which doesn't work. As you said, why isn't it sustainable? Because ultimately, it is a pyramid. And mm. If a pyramid's going to work, you have to manage it from the top to yeah, the bottom, exactly. not have yeah, yeah. all sorts of broken off bits. You know, whenever yeah. I hear the, the phrase the football pyramid, I always imagine a pyramid the other way up, <laughs> yeah. upside down, <laughs> with, a, with a very small point at the bottom and there's the, the, the big money at the top. I mean, this sort of the, where football is now really started with the formation of the Premier League, didn't yeah, it? Or, or in the run-up to that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because basically the thing that, that made football explode um, financially was the start of its relationship with Sky. Yeah, and absolutely. The, and the fact that um, up to that point, you would say that football clubs had uh, maybe uh, were most heavily reliant on, on turnstile money, on gate money uh, and family. Totally were, yeah. And now, uh, I think the extreme case is Bournemouth, isn't it? When Bournemouth were in the yeah. uh, Premier 11, League. 11,000 gates. Yeah, and, the, and, and something like more than 90% of their in, income was from TV rights. Yeah. Whereas that first TV deal was 50 quid a club. Yeah, in yeah, the sixties. Yeah. Uh, right, was it really? <laughs> so, so, so just just to put you on the spot a little bit, because yeah. clearly there there are a number of things, and, and, and we're forever sort of picking holes in in, in these various things. Yeah. If you you know if you were going to go, you look at say Bosman, yeah, the Premier League, T 
TV money. Yeah, yeah. It's takeovers by foreign owners. Uh, and the, the, there are other things, obviously, too. Which would you say has driven the biggest change? That's a good question. So I think, you know, Margaret Thatcher, and, you know, if you has, we can say this about lots of things, has some blame in this just in the way <laughs> she allowed the economy to change. In the eighties, with deregulation, deregulation, yeah, yeah, yeah. And that foreign ownership. And so entrepreneurs yeah. know what's best. Government should be out of the way, and that yeah. kind of gave license to new owners. It gave license to the FA to step back and say we don't want to mm-hmm. over interfere mm-hmm. in a market. And then I would say Sky came along and Bosman, and those two together really changed it because Sky created the money, and Bosman basically gave it to the players and and the agents and the agents and, the agents. and, the agents. Yeah. and owners just because of the way owners are, because often, you know, like us, they are irrational in their sort of <laughs> way they get involved in football and the things they do. They've just given the money away. Well, for sure. I mean, there's players. some horrifying statistics in your in your book about the proportion of uh, clubs' income that that is the wage bill and the just agents' passes through. Bill. It just, right. Yeah, that, so that for the, the, the business seems to be very cash rich, but it's all, it's the, the agents and, and the players, well, I think the agents more than the players, have worked out that because there's this there's this huge influx yeah. of cash that they can get that and that that uh, teams will be so keen to compete with one another that that there's no way of stopping that and there should be a way of stopping that yeah. and if you're going to if you're going to uh, at all correct this you need to have some sort of overall um, structure for regulating yeah and and, and, that, and that just doesn't exist does and it? a set of objectives is what you want to do you know and I believe kind of the Tracy Crouch review, which I've given evidence to, is about sustainability, and that makes sense. But I think fans want to see some degree of competition. They do, of course, yeah. yeah. We kind of know Stoke are going to struggle to win the Premier League, although less to do, but we want them to have a chance of being competitive and not losing, you know, like... You don't want a San Marino situation in the Premier League, right, if you like. Although I am going to join the brigade that... (laughs) Well, you could come and join us on a Saturday. Let me just just come back to to owners, because it's something that we we often talk about. The Premier League now, I think, if you... Included West Ham, which aren't quite there. Yeah. I think seventeen out of twenty are owned by overseas yeah. nationals or yeah. companies. It's or... been about fifteen on and off yeah. for a long time. So, yeah. I mean, first of all, there's a difference between two different sorts. So there are people who are there. Um, would you be able to say as a, as a vanity project or because they love football yeah. and it's lovely to be there yeah. and playing on the world stage? Or a country that needs to yeah, do yeah. The, 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 the sports yeah. washing. And then you have people who've come in because they've gone, there's money to be made yes. here. Um, what, the only thing they really have in common is you get the impression that none of them know an awful lot. About uh, football. What about the English <laughs> Yeah, about, about the, the economics Eng- of it. About yeah. the English game yeah. and also the history, etc. Well, there yeah. isn't a great deal of caring downwards about the rest of the pyramid no. is there that, because they because they come in and they take over well they don't know uh, the their history. business that I, is I part of the they, overall they don't understand the history and no. probably the super league when that crashed most because they just completely overlooked the history you know and you had those mm-hmm. chelsea fans saying actually we do want our wet yeah. nights in stoke on a tuesday yeah. or whatever but, you know. but, so, so, let, so let me yeah. ask you Go on. i i my you know obviously the, the man city the, the chelsea stuff uh, all of that stuff was frightening and new when yeah. it happened but i found that the glazers and john henry yeah. th- i find them more frightening Interesting. because yeah. they're the ones that say no we're going to change the whole thing it doesn't matter we don't care this is about making money and, and we have to make money in order for our business to grow and 
it, it makes no difference what you say. This yeah. is what we're doing. Whereas the others, we're perhaps you know we'll play along with your little game, and we, we we've got more money than you. Yeah, I, and, and I think now there's probably three types of owners. And I thought like you, I started off with two, and all the theory is about two. You know, the ones who are in it for the status, and the ones who are in it for the money. But I actually think there's people in it for status, people in it for money, then people who love their clubs. And right. you know, so I think Stoke would be an example of that, Pick right? Coach, or, yeah. yeah, or even Derby, where I think Mel Morris really wanted Derby to do well. He just yes. overstretched, but yeah. I think it was kind of with the best intention. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got those three, and and I think you're right. The the top group, the Chelsea's, Man City's, PSG, were reluctant to join the Super League because actually. If it's about building a brand, you don't want to trash the brand by having 80 clubs on your back. Yeah. But actually, Manchester United and Liverpool, this is a, a an endeavour to make money at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And you need the Super League to keep doing that. Because if you don't, Chelsea and Man City will keep spending money, even when you know it's irrational yeah, to do that. Yeah, yeah. And you have to keep playing well, that game. Right? Those American owners come from a different sort of sporting culture, yeah. don't they? Because they, they're, It is a business, uh, right? Amer- but American um, sport, the competitiveness comes from a closed yeah, league, doesn't it? It exactly. comes from... Uh, you know the American football and the so baseball. So many rules that you know limit one team getting yeah, better but, than but the rest. But over there, there are salary caps. Yeah. Over there, there the are drafts. There's the drafts yeah. that mean yeah. that the team that's bottom gets first pick of young. There's players There's also a salary through. floor, so you can't accept you're going to come last and not spend any money. They mm. actually make you spend a certain amount. You but know, for those guys, so you can't just take you know, money the, out. The American yeah. guys, the Liverpool guys, and the Man United guys, they must think it's it's Liberty so, Hall so, over here, and that's why they drove the European Super League because yeah. mm. it's a it's actually because they understand totally financially driven. A closed competition. So, so let's, so let's, let's yeah. go, if I can go from owners to fans. So yeah. therefore, in fact, um, the, the priorities of fans compared with, yeah. say, Fenway Group yeah. and the Glazers uh, are almost exactly yeah. the opposite, yeah. which is um, I'm invested in the history of this club. Yeah. I'm invested in this club being part of this area. I'm invested in being able to afford to go and watch games. Yeah. I'm invested to a certain extent in my club being part of my country's yeah. success. None of these things, it no. strikes me, are important to to those those American type models, that, I think that's exactly right. And yet, fans have no voice at yeah. this table, not not whatsoever. I mean, it's staggering how little voice they have. And even you know the attempts at liaison are pretty. And poor. Even in a fan led review, yeah. Even even in a fan led review, the panel is is not just fans by any means. Yeah. And and actually, if I could throw in yeah. another one for the fans, morality. Yeah. Oh that, well, there's that. There's, you know, there's, there's there is that. a sense that yeah. hold on, this is our game, and we don't like that. <coughs> well, I'm afraid again, you're out of the conversation, aren't you? Well, and I, I think they did get that in the fan led review because the idea is a golden share. You know, so you can't change your club name, you can't rename your stadium, you can't necessarily I think these are, leave these competitions. Are such flimsy things. But to what needs to be done. But that's, I mean, yeah, they, the, they'll get that stuff, the soft stuff. Yeah, I think the money the is the hard things thing. Was in that uh, that uh, project big picture. Yeah. Yeah. Where they there was a t- distinction between two sorts of fans between yeah. what they called legacy fans and the global and the, future, and the, glo- fans. And the future yeah. market yeah, yeah. and the legacy fans. What that means, what that is watching, yeah. is is the ones that we've already got, the ones that we've already we can continue to milk and will come whatever we do. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, and uh, there's such a sort of 
there's such a sort of evil cunning about it yeah. <laughs> somehow or that, you know that we're not satisfied with with the legacy that we've inherited what we're going to try and get is is fans in china and fans and, in and, and that's not, the important and thing and it's nonsense because if you don't have those legacy fans all of the excitement goes for those foreign fans if there's no atmosphere if the club doesn't belong well, to anyone that's where the value is actually absolutely yeah. absolutely and so and we haven't got an awful lot of time i'd yeah. love to, you to come back because this is all really interesting stuff so just a couple of things on that so first of all we we've talked about the socios thing i don't you, you must be yeah. aware of that which is monetizing yeah. fans who wouldn't otherwise be monetized yeah, yeah. otherwise um, be able <laughs> to yeah. pay yeah. To be, yeah yeah that's one thing but what i one of the things i really loved in 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 your book in fact these two things actually kind of segue was um um woodward at manchester united yeah. um the money that him and his team make has nothing to do with football success, and yeah. is not affected by the success or otherwise of the club. Yeah. One. And the other thing that, that I'd like yeah. to put on the other side was the Vincent Company thing yeah. where he'd done some research yeah. for his degree yeah, yeah. or whatever he yeah. was doing that actually uh, the effect of the crowd does make a difference to success, yeah. which we kind of feel instinctively yeah. but there's actually a genuine correlation well and then if you're in actually you might say to Woodward well you are making all this money but you've not been as successful is there any possibility you know you've lost the crowd in this process yeah and that's part of the reason actually it's probably a lot of other things like transfer dealings but you know <laughs> but there definitely is a link there you know? well yes and, and, and you and I know that when 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 Stoke got promoted one of the big things that Tony Pulis did and I'm not saying yeah. that he knew anything about this research was we need the fans to be yeah. there and we need this to be, you know, the thing that people always say, a fortress, blah, blah. Yeah. But it was, for, you know, for like eight years. That, it was that roar in the um, the Man City game in the 80th minute, you know, when Rory had been sent off yeah, and we were yeah. winning 1-0. You know, my dad was in early stage dementia, which I didn't know at the time. And I looked up and he was standing on the seat with everyone <laughs> like that. And, yeah. you know, it was a huge thing at that time. That emotion and, is part and, of it. And that plays in TV as well. But one and two, th this is exactly, you know, which is people are holding their hands up and, and loving the German model. Yeah. This is what you get in the German model. Yeah. This, you know, the, the, the atmosphere to say Dortmund or, yeah. or, or Munich or something like that. I went to see Stoke play Hadjik Split oh, yeah. um, in the Europa League mm -hmm. and the atmosphere was yes. just absolute. I mean, I thought I'd been to games with an atmosphere. Yeah. It was sensational. We won 1-0 and the atmosphere was incredible. It was a group game yeah. in the Europa League. Yeah, but that atmosphere is part of the package that's being sold, isn't yeah, it? It's part absolutely. And, and, you know, so if you, if you start, if as a club you start alienating um, your the fans, then what you're offering is is diminished yeah. by that, isn't it? And I think the key thing now is, you know, I say in the book, the economics are turning against football, right? You know, the, the kind of there isn't as much money post COVID. So the, you know, there's you a know, danger of the gambling might welcome under pressure. That mm. if you if you suddenly realise you've this legacy that you didn't need, actually they are the core, right? Yeah, if you don't have them, you haven't got the rest. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. the, and the other thing about that is, of course, it, 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 you know that that legacy will be lost because actually the very act of knowing how to actively support your yeah. team in a ground is being lost. Yeah. People go and they think that supporting is to sit there and, you know, buy a programme, blah, blah, blah. And they don't know how to go about it. It's, yeah. It needs a core of people who are 
boisterous and loud. And, you know. Well, and Stoke had, you know, when for, for a long period, right, it looked like we might never be in the Premier League. We had the kind of Manchester Unitedization of the city, right, where you'd see kids suddenly in Man United oh, kits and you lose a generation <laughs> and it takes a long time. Well, that's, to get when, that you say, when you said at the, be- at the beginning that football is not sustainable, one of the, you know, in, in its current form, I think one of the reasons, one of the ways in which it's not sustainable is is how, how football is uh, is behaving towards the next generation. Yeah, ex- oh, completely. Because I think you know they're being for one thing in, being priced get into games, being yeah. priced out of the game, and so the 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 legacy fans, if you like, uh, that uh, that body of people is getting older and older and older. And what's going to come behind them when those people leave the game or leave the world? You yeah. know, no, no and, and there's not there's not enough um, attention being paid to that uh, in terms of keeping your business sustainable. I don't think the Premier League recognises how much the history of the game adds value. To the game today, it's the, it's the Wembley sell-off thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. It matters for all sorts of reasons. But you know, the Premier League is what thirty years old. Mm. There's a you know a couple of hundred years of history that actually you've tapped into, and there have been even now fifty teams in the Premier League. Mm. It's not like it's a closed shop. You need these teams, like Brentford, come from nowhere after a long period, makes a difference, yeah, right? You live on that. So just. Um, Football has been allowed to get into the state it's in, let's say, because of what you call in your book light touch financial governance. Yes. And what I what 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 is is heartbreaking in a way is the feeling that this has gone beyond a point that it can be it can be fixed because there are you can see what needs to be done. Yeah, you know you need uh, one uh, one body responsible for the whole yeah, yeah. pyramid. Yeah, and the closest we've come to that suggestion is the Rick Parry thing. I yeah, think yeah. where he where he was uh, suggesting handing over the TV rights for the EFL yeah, yeah. to the EPL to do collective bargaining. But that was putting the power in a small number of. Clubs. Yes, it was but doing it, two things. But in yeah. a way, everything seems to seems to lead back to that. Yeah. Seems to lead back. Yeah, we'll do this, but it'll make the top six even more powerful. Mm-hmm. But his, uh, you know, his his intention is to try and is to and diminish the cliff between the yeah, Premiership yeah. and the Championship and the other cliffs further yeah. down. And it's heartbreaking. There's a heartbreaking thing in your book. We talk about the it being the Premier, the the the, the coincidence of the start of the Premier League and the Sky yeah, Money yeah. being the point at which everything started to mushroom out of control. Yeah, yeah. A heartbreaking quote from Graham Kelly, the former chief yeah. executive of the FA, in your thing, saying that they missed a golden opportunity, and they did. They could have imposed this yeah. at that time. The Football Association, and they just they were so. I mean, he says Graham Kelly says the clubs were desperate for their freedom. And would have given virtually anything, anything to be granted that. But the fact is also that the football association were desperate, yeah. also because they'd been they'd been uh, kept at arm's length by the football league by that rivalry for generations. Yeah, yeah. And as soon as the uh, the FA were asked to come in on the Premier League, they went yes, yes, absolutely. This is our. This and is our and now is that point, right? You know, the the fan led review. I think is the last chance. Yeah, to fix it. But how do you impose something on these things that are already in place? You well, know? well, you have for the first time political will, right? Because the Super League, the top clubs really shot themselves in mm. the foot, and you've got a government apparently committed to levelling up, etc. This is the way to level up football. You know, this is the moment. Mm. If it doesn't happen now, I think it's gone forever. Absolutely. Well, that, and that, what a great sentence to finish on. If it doesn't <laughs> happen now, it's gone forever. Basically, make it happen now. Basically, <laughs> basically, <laughs> we're virtually <laughs> fucked. Yeah. There's half a chance. Uh, You've been a great guest, but we'd love to have you back because, you know, that's really engaging stuff and really, really interesting. And thank you so much um, for for coming in. Uh, Don't forget to tell all of your friends to subscribe if you want to. Don't forget to rate the podcast if you want to. (laughs) (laughs) And thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week. Great big owl. 
Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.